Heavy metal music is usually about speed or power or speed and power. It's an incredibly diverse genre of music. Two metal fans can have a conversation at the bar about music and quickly realize that there aren't any bands that they both like. The lines between metal and hard rock are blurry. Encyclopedia Britannica says Aerosmith is a heavy metal band. Do they really belong in the same category as Slayer and Sabbath? There's no simple definition of what heavy metal is, but we think those rock and roll scholars Beavis and Butthead define it best when they say it just kicks ass. In this denim jacket wearing, air guitar playing, horns up episode of Prisoners of Rock and Roll, we're looking at the history and evolution of heavy metal. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Prisoners of Rock and Roll, episode number 53. My name is Bruce Kramer, and I'm here tonight with the Dark Lord of Metal, Ryan McCusker. Are you rocking? He's actually just a big teddy bear. I am. But, you know, I go with, you know, I go with metal. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Prisoners of Rock and Roll, sponsored by Boldfoot Socks and McCusker's Tavern in Philadelphia. Our show is part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. We're here. You're here. Let's do it. Thanks so much for listening to us. Make sure you follow us on your favorite podcast platform and check us out on social media. How was your Thanksgiving, brother? It was great. Turkey was good. Stuffing was good. How about you? What's going on? Yeah, man, it was good. We took the camper. uh, My family went out to Hershey, Pennsylvania for a long weekend. We kind of uh, made that our annual tradition. This is our third year doing it. So just kind of get away, you know, hang out a little bit. So last time we took the camper out for the year, going to put it, wrap it up, close it up for the winter. So. It was nice. Great. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. It's good to good to get away. So but we're back talking about music. So yet again, man, you picked an awesome topic. You know, you're kind of the brains of the operation with all this shit. And you're like something we've been talking about for a while. I know last episode we talked about is rock and roll dead. And this time you were like, dude, let's talk about some kick ass heavy metal. Yeah. Like where did metal start? Like we always have this conversation in the bar. You know, was it was it Sabbath? Was it Zeppelin? Was it uh, like a hundred different bands? Sure. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, like I said in the monologue, man, it's crazy. Like, because metal is so big of a category, you know, it's almost like it's unfair. It's, it's too big of a bucket. It is a big, it is a big genre, the cover. Like there's so many different kinds of metal. Uh, there's death metal and speed metal and Jesus metal. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, sure. Right. Yeah. Hey, right. I'm sure there are Christian heavy metal bands. Oh, I know the striper and everything. Oh, right. Right. Yeah. Hair metal. And, you know, it's just uh, the fact that you could put uh, all those bands in one kind of category. It's just, you know, I guess the same thing happens with rock and roll and, and hip hop and all that other kind of stuff. But so all that said, we're going to cover a lot of ground, man. Why don't we just start at the beginning and talk about like, where did this music come from? I think it comes from 
I don't know, a form of aggression, something that's more crunchier, something more than than what was going on at the time. You know, there was a lot of psychedelic going on at the time. But what was the other side of the psychedelic? It was like this dark kind of thing. And I, I think bands like Sabbath came up with this tone of creepiness, of sounding like a horror film. Yeah, I it's great. It's really interesting when you start listening to something like Sabbath and then you compare it to what was going on with, uh, you know, if you're going to San Francisco, put some flowers in your hair and all that kind of shit. And it's also like the I mean, the world is just so different. Right. But I, I put in some notes that like, you know, post World War Two, Birmingham, England, where Sabbath was, was a really rough place to be. I mean, sure. that, there was a ton of ammunition factories there during the war. So the Germans bombed the shit out of it. Um, yeah. so just, you know, it, it's not, it's not San Francisco and it ain't, it ain't, uh, hate Ashbury, but I don't think metal is like a happy kind of thing. Like, like, uh, those, those bands that came from San Francisco, you know, even though metal, it comes from all over the country, it just didn't start in like one place. Like, you yeah. know, in, there was a big, uh, there was a big contribute from England from metal. You know, I, I, I definitely can, I don't know, I can get back behind that, that England had a big part to do with bringing metal in. I put that in my, initially in the monologue that I think it's the only genre of modern music that didn't originate in America. Sure. I largely think it came out of England and it was like, okay, we'll give you this one. Yeah. You know, we invented everything else. Yeah, but, like, uh, no, know. it is. It's true. It's like what Sabbath, you know, just like. I don't know. I'm having brain fart, but like a billion bands. Yeah. I mean, all those bands, and we'll talk about it later when we get into the eighties, when, uh, you know, the early eighties, when the new wave British bands, you know, priest and maiden and all those guys, motorhead, all those are coming up. They're all British. I think now, I think more recently, America has kind of picked up the crown. I think really when oh, yeah. the big four came around, that was kind of like, you know, all right, America's I, here and we're going to take this and run with it. Yeah. I think after the whole, um, British metal wave, it like ended with like um Maiden. Yeah. You know, you know, and Judas Priest, like everything else just came and went. Like, you know, I don't know. Like UFO is a big band. They're kind of a metal band, but America definitely made it a little bit different. Made it, I think we made it a little bit more depends on what band you're talking about. Made it more heavier, made more synchronized. Uh, Maiden's pretty being it's pretty synchronized, pretty they're they're unbelievable musicians, like to their own. But America did something different. I don't know. Parts of us made part of the bands that came out of America made it more fun, right? All the hair band shit came out of America, all the LA bands. And sure. we'll, you know, we'll touch on those a little bit, but um, you know, but we also it's like we made it angrier. I don't know, man. Like I'm thinking like modern, so like Pantera and Slipknot and a lot of those bands are just, you know, they're really angry, angry people. I think, I don't know. I mean, let's start with the metal fan. The typical metal fan is like an outcast to start out with, you know, when you're a metalhead, you look for other metalheads to be friends with. Because the long you know, hair, the, the denim jackets with the patches on it. Sure, even myself, you know, when I had to change schools, the first thing I did was look for the kids that had like heavy metal shirts on 
or whatever on their patches or whatever. And they're the people that I target. They're like a club. Metal fans are like a club. You know, you like different kinds of metal, but you guys can appreciate, you know, that you like the same kind of genre. And if my band is cooler than your band, then you're a poser. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you're always judging each other based oh, we're posers. on your... oh, we're posers, me and you. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So we're posers. Absolutely. Um I just yeah. lived half through it. <laughs> I just lived through it. That's all. Right. All the uh when a lot of this like the classic heavy metal shit was coming up, right? This was the stuff that was that you were listening to all the time. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. I tried going back like as far as I could to like some of the, you know, where did all this crap start? And yeah, most people th- say that the term heavy metal came from the Steppenwolf song, Born to be Wild, because he says like heavy metal yeah, thunder. Sure. Sure. Um, and then, you know, I had uh, I found a, a band called Blue Cheer that did a okay. cover of Eddie Cochran's Summertime Blues that some people said that could be one of the first. Um, well, we'll just dive in. We'll start playing some music. Here's a little bit yeah. of that. I never oh. heard this before. I just found it in my research. Cool. Just to try to earn a dollar But Lord, I tried to call my baby I tried to get a date Sometimes I wonder What I'm gonna do Lord, there ain't no cure For the summertime blues All right. Guitars well, in it. I could. Yeah, it's driven Yeah it's very. What year do you think that song came out? Um, I looked it up while I was just playing 68 Okay, so it's right, around, right around when when this stuff all this starts. So so it was sure. kind of cool. Um, you know, you get the Beatle, like Helter Skelter. Some people have argued that's one of the first heavy metal songs. Very aggressive. Sure. Yeah. How can you not this, deny it? The story of that was what like they heard something on the Who from the Who McCartney, and then he was like, uh, "I'm going to write the he- I'm going to write something way heavier than that." And they just cranked yeah. that out to one up the Who. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's all that just some of that early stuff. You know, even some people have argued that Zeppelin were the first heavy metal band or the you know, sure. prototype of it. I mean, what they weren't stealing, they were making pretty fucking heavy music <laughs> right. for the time. I sure. Mean, what did I put on the playlist? Uh, communication breakdown. I know we did a whole episode of Zeppelin, but th- I think this gives a good example of what metal started to sound like. At the yeah. Beginning. Yeah, sure, dude. Let's hear it. Yeah, you can definitely tell like that's the, you know, the guitar work is laying the foundation for all this stuff that came after it. Yeah, I mean, it's all synchronized. Everything's hitting at once. It's it's like what metal started out as like metal is very synchronized. Absolutely. Everything, everything's hit together. Everything's it, it's you know, it is what it is, bro. Yep. But, but I guess like, the, I mean, the first heavy metal band is probably Sabbath and you know, they yes. even, even a discussion about heavy metal music, they deserve to be talking about first. And it's really kind of interesting when you think about it, that this genre of music started because Tony Iommi 
homie was in an uh, industrial accident and jacked up, cut off the tip of one of his fingers. Yeah, I believe they start tuning everything in drop D and uh, they just start writing songs in that key. And, you know, that made everything sound dreary, you know, like and, and you know, from like where they were, that's more of a sound that they can get behind than some hippie sound that was going on at the time. Yeah, they, yeah. Came, they came from like rubble, like we were saying. Really rough area. You know, he, yeah. So he jacked up part of his fingers in like a machine press, cut off the end of one of his fingers, and he almost had like a prosthetic on the end of yeah. it. And he had to da- he had to detune his guitar, downtune it, so the strings were looser, so he could actually play it. He physically couldn't play it with the strings real tight, and it made that real, like you said, the the dreary sound. And I mean, when that album came out, when they start, when they hit, um, and they found their groove, I mean, that just scared the shit out of everybody. Dude, play the first song off their first album. Yeah, man. Here you go. You like just imagine being like I remember when I heard it for the first time at like 13 years old, but imagine there's nothing to expect and you just put this record on and the first thing you hear is those church bells in the intro and the thunder, you know, and then all of a sudden this fucking like scary shit starts and you got Ozzy singing in the background. I mean, they're, it, they like paint a picture of like of darkness man and like you said like the metal had been outcast i mean you know there thousands of kids sat in their room and said holy shit this music is right in how i feel right like generations oh generations absolutely sure i mean like so i like i listened to the playlist we put together like you know, as we get closer to the time to do the show, I'm playing it a lot. And I was doing, it was working today and this came on and as a one man, I just like, I just stopped what I was, when I was working, I just sat back in my chair and was just listening to it. I was like, man, this is such a, just a kick-ass song. There's so much going on in that song producing. Yeah. I'm not sure who produced that album, but he did a great job. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure off the top of my head, but um, yeah, man, it just sets a stage for everything. You know, in terms of uh, the dreariness and the uh, the imagery and the sound and the way they looked and just everything. Could you imagine um, seeing them like back in the day, like Ozzy, like eighteen years old, like singing in this band in in this little shithole in England? You know, it's, and it's amazing. It's like a diamond in the rough. Tony Iommi, you know, like like Henry Rollins always calls him the Dark Lord of Metal, which is where I got <laughs> what I what I called you in the opening. Um, nice. Yeah, man, just how intimidating they must have looked and scary, and yeah, people probably know. running from the door, man. Of course, man, and you know, and they, you know, Ozzy became legendary in his, you know, his the antics, yeah, and all the other than the drugs and the craziness, and he really like he was pretty crazy when he was with sabbath but when they weren't when he left sabbath that's when he really went out of his mind 
like he really got crazy once he yeah had, because like he had those guys babysitting him all the time you know now without those dudes around he can go around like sniffing ants off the ground and shit but what they did was to start out something so dreary is is to be definitely the beginnings of metal I mean, metal, like I said, is not a happy sounding kind of music. I think when when I hear the term heavy metal, they're, I mean, they're one of the first bands that come to my mind. Sure. Yeah. And they're they're not about speed. Uh, it's really just that dark, brooding, plotting kind of sound. And just really cool. I don't listen to them like casually that much. But when I do turn it on, though, I was like, man, they're just like Tony. Iommi, such a great fucking guitar player. Just really like, cool. I grew up. I grew up a Black Sabbath fan and Nazi fan. So. You know, it's so when I hear it, it's like I picture, like, especially right now, we're talking about it. I'm picturing it, hearing it for the first time in my friend's basement and it, and having that feeling of like, this is evil and I'm not supposed to be listening to it. But, you know, it's, it's something different than anything that was on at the time on an MTV. And you search back to these Black Sabbath albums that were made in the 70s. And you, you, you could see it where we're all formed at. It's a great point, too. You said, like, I shouldn't be listening to it because a lot of this music, too, just pissed off everybody. I mean, yeah, so did punk and hip hop. And we even mentioned that Sinatra freaked everybody out when he started. Oh, but, like, yeah, I that's what to, music is about. But I went to a Catholic school, you know, and like I remember having an Ozzy Osbourne shirt on. Like I had the balls to wear an Ozzy shirt the gym day, you know, like and like the nuns lost their shit. They did. They I'm were sure. like, oh, this is disgusting and whatever, whatever, whatever. I was proud of myself. Yeah, you should be. So they put out a couple albums. Oh, well, you know, before I move on. Yeah, their, their first album, I thought it was cool. Like they they also made sure it came out on Friday the 13th. Oh, wow. Well. So, you know, they just played up the whole the whole thing. Yeah, sure. And you know, they put out a couple albums. And in 79, you know, Ozzy gets fired for being Ozzy. And, you know, he went on to his whole solo career and all that other cool shit that he did when he partnered up with Randy Rhodes and, you know, Bark yeah, at the he, Moon and Blizzard of Oz. And he had other great guitar players besides Randy Rhodes. Yeah, you know, Jakey Lee was a fucking great example. He's he, Zach know, Wild was great. Yeah, Zach Wild's still with him. But I feel like everybody just knows that Zach Wilde being Ozzy's guitar player. Like everybody forgot about Jakey e. Lee. He did the Ultimate Sin album, which is a fucking awesome album. It's yeah. one of the true Ozzy Osbourne 80s albums, like the spandex kind of Ozzy. Yeah. But, uh, you ever see Ozzy in makeup, like glam yeah. makeup? Yeah. <laughs> He's got the blonde hair and it's all teased up. And uh, he look he looks like something from Glow Wrestling. Uh cocaine's a hell of a drug. Um, and we'll we'll circle back in a little bit and talk about the dude that replaced Ozzy because that you know he we could do a whole goddamn show on him. Oh, but the yeah. next guy that we had up on the list, man, was Alice Cooper, and we you know we talked about him a lot in the uh, the Shock Rock episode that we did. There's actually some there's a lot of overlap in bands we could be talking about here that are Shock Rock bands. But every time I hear something about Alice Cooper, man, I am just I'm like, man. I just I love his story arc. You know, I just love that. Oh, he, yeah, man. The man you know, hung out with Groucho Marx, for God's sake. Yeah. And that he sat down and was like, you know what, man? Rock and roll is filled with too many heroes. They need a bad guy. And I'm going to make up this character and be the bad guy. Yeah, of, he's brilliant. Yeah. And, and he's really was, brilliant um, rock and roll guy. You know, it's interesting, too. He, he some interview I read with him. He's like, you know what you never see in my shows? Nudity and vulgarity. He's like, that's too easy. 
I don't, I don't curse yeah. in my songs and I'm never going to have naked chicks on stage. He's a great guy, man. He yeah, really, really, I've, I've seen him a couple of times and he's just really, now that you say it, yeah, he's kind of like rated G compared to what Marilyn Manson does out there. Yeah. He was pushing the envelope, but he wasn't doing it like in the easy, like you said, the easy way and just dropping no, a lot was, of vulgarity and shit like was, that. He was like doing like magic tricks, like cutting the heads off the, the people. guillotine. Right. And he's yeah. still doing the same, you know, paper mache Frankensteins and stuff. I've seen him a couple of times too. And he's, he's puts on an awesome show. I think he just turned 75 and he's still, bless him. he's still kicking ass. Yeah. And he's also a big pioneer of this too, because he brings a lot of that vaudeville shit to the stage. You know, and it's not heavy metal becomes Theatrical. Iron Maiden. Yeah. All, yeah. Yeah. All the theatrics, the pyrotechnics, all that stuff. He's one of the first guys to do all this sure. kind of stuff in heavy metal. Sure. So I, I love, I love me some Alice Cooper. Can now. we play something? Absolutely, man. You got some no more Mr. Nice Guy. Yeah. Love yeah, it. man. Love it. Man. Alice, you know, he he was the right place, the right time. And what was he came out like 72? Yeah, somewhere around there. I put this whole like this early thing I put out the late 60s, early 70s is just kind of one big bucket. But Alice was like really good friends with like Jimi Hendrix and all those guys. Like he stayed at this hotel with the rest of these 60s iconic music pioneers like janice jimmy and a bunch of other groups and he was not gigging a whole lot and he needed management so jimmy hendrix said hey you know hook up with this guy that i know and uh the guy became his friend shep his manager i forget his last name but he's been his manager for the last like over 50 years man hmm yeah, there's a great documentary about his about his um, manager. I forget what it's called, but it was on Netflix. Pretty hmm. cool. I'll have to check it out. I, I told you before, my a good friend of mine from college is his uh, PR manager, and she's always saying how what you know she manages like Killswitch Engage and a couple other pretty big bands, and she's always talking about how just genuinely what a just a nice dude Alice Cooper is. We like nice dudes. We do like nice dudes. All right, I'm going to move on. The next band I had in, on this list and these early pioneers was Deep Purple. I feel like Deep Purple doesn't get a lot of love in no, conversations. Maybe in other countries, not in America. In other countries, they're definitely huge influence on all kinds of metal. Yeah, and they're a little different than Sabbath because they're um, yeah, like Richie Blackmore was more influenced by uh, classic music. Yeah, it's it's way different than than Sabbath. Here, let's just play a little bit of it. You can hear the difference. This is pictures from home or pictures of home, excuse me, off of the Machine Head album.
that end right there, like holding the note. That's metal. Yeah, that that's such yeah. a that's a such a British. Holy um, shit! It is how about that beginning intro of the drums? Yeah, it's so. I mean, look at compare that to the what we played from the Black Sabbath song. Man, it's so it's so different. No, but they're both I, heavy metal. Totally. Like I know um, Lars Ulrich from Metallica is a huge Deep Purple fan, and just right off the bat, hearing that those drums, I could hear, hear it. I could hear it. You know, um, Metallica has a very synchronized sound, you know, um, not so much vocally. They have a sound like, but I hear a lot of Metallica and Deep Purple. Yeah, I hear I hear a lot of Deep Purple and Metallica's music, especially the drums. I think their early stuff, man, before they even put their album out, they were more like a prog rock band. And then they started. Yeah, they they got heavier. Yeah, I was listening to their first album, trying to find a sound clip, and it nothing on it sounds like metal at all. More like psychedelic. Yeah, uh, and it's interesting. You know, Deep Purple changed lineups a couple times. David Coverdale was in the band for a while. Sure, you know, he goes on. Sure. White Snake, Richie Blackmore, he left in '75, and he goes to form Rainbow. And yeah. when he's in Rainbow, he meets another couple guys from a band named Elf, including. Ronnie James Dio, the motherfucker oh, of heavy metal. He, he is sadly missed, man. Yeah, he was. He was like he carried the metal flag for like generations, man. Yeah. And, and Lemmy, you know, like, it, yes. Yeah, sure. Like what was more metal than than Ronnie James Dio putting the horns up? And they like, right. So Ronnie James Dio invented the the, well, the Maloik, he, the Maloik using the Maloik. He said which like, is like he, an, which is an Italian thing. Yeah. The Maloik is like, you know, uh, Somebody blocking a curse on you, or it could be putting a curse on somebody. He said, like, he was doing it because somebody, I think it was Sabbath. He said, someone like Ozzy would always like point one finger and he's like, I'm not doing that. That's, yeah, that's dumb. He's like, We're doing this. Fuck yeah. And I'm doing it. I'm doing it as, in the camera as we're talking. Yeah, man. And they said, like, yo, he never died. He just, he hopped on a fucking dragon and rode off into the sunset or something. Uh, yeah. And he's, he's a great man. And you want to talk about a good guy? He was a great guy. Everybody loved Ronnie James. You know, he had so many kinds of different fans. Remember, who was it? Um, Pat Burrell used to come out in Philly. Pat Burrell would come yeah. out. It was, it was like Rainbow in the Rainbow in the Dark. Yeah, 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 yeah. His walkout music. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we got a couple clips from him that we can play. Uh, the first one. Us, yeah, let's play something off his first band, Elf. So yeah, yeah so Richie it's more Black- bluesy. It's more Rich- of a bluesy kind of sound. Yeah, Richie Blackmore left left Rainbow, or he starts Rainbow. He left Deep Purple and his band Elf. A couple of those guys, it was uh, Ronnie James Dio and some other dudes. They all come together and they start the band Rainbow. So here's Elf. <laughs> She can't follow cause she only can leave 
dude, I love that. That's yeah. really good. I, I didn't know that. Talent- so it shows how talented he was. I never listened to them ever until you put it on the playlist and you message, you know, we're messaging back and forth today. And you're like, yeah, we got to talk about Elf. And I was like, dude, that song's really good. And it's one of the yeah. things I love about doing the show is finding all this cool shit that I've never heard of. It almost sounded like um like early Aerosmith a little bit. It's like just sure. dirty, dirty bluesy, and he's you know, he's not he's, holding those notes like he does later. His his voice is way bigger than a blues band. Yeah. I mean, that's basically what that was. Yeah, it's it like, real, real hot. I wonder. Talk. I wonder if the first people to hear Dio's voice was like, "Oh shit, this guy could fucking sing." You it's know, like, yeah. He's nobody sounds like him. He's like the only guy that sounds like him. You know, they used to say, "Oh, how do you, how do he take care of his voice?" He's like the only thing he ever did. He didn't do any warm ups, anything like that. He said he'd get a cold beer, drink a cold beer, and smoke a joint, and then hit the stage. That that was his like ritual before he go out on stage. And then he had this natural voice. Yeah. That people would kill for. So I think we're going to play three songs that he sang in because we should play something by Rainbow. And then we got to play. We got to. Yeah. All right. Let's get that. And then we'll get on the Dio, the band. Here's a Stargazer. I like it. You can definitely hear the music evolving more towards what Dio totally. became. Oh, yeah. He's like finding his voice. You know, where does he fit in? You know, and uh, I guess working with Richie Blackmore made everything a little bit more sounding metal, maybe sounding more aggressive. And his voice is very aggressive. Like we were listening to him with Elf. I was like, holy shit, he doesn't even fit in with this band. Maybe it's because I listened to him so much you know, in, in the past that hearing Elf is just like, holy shit, it's like Dio putting a blues album out. Yeah, you, you hear that. And if you're a big Dio fan, you're like, that's Ronnie James Dio singing that. Type well, I of think music. it sounds. Yeah, I think it sounds like him. It totally. Right, but like, just holy the, shit. Right. But that the, the, the delivery, type of music. Yeah. The delivery, everything. Yeah. He hasn't become the, the death of metal. And then in uh, 82, you know, he well, so Ronnie James Dio leaves Rainbow. And he took over for Ozzy and Sabbath. So he did all this sure. Sabbath for a long time. Um, it didn't work as well as, you know, his voice doesn't, his voice is so like high pitched and f- he sings faster than. Well, they were, they were pretty successful for the, the, you put that album out called Heaven and Hell. Yeah. I think, I think that's the one album that was like recognized as like, yo, this is a great Black Sabbath album with another singer. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like I wasn't there, I wasn't alive. But how can you replace Ozzy and then think you're going to bring another singer in? You know, that's a lot of weight to have on Ronnie James Dio. You know, and yeah, and, and not for nothing. It's like he's two different kind of guys. Like Ronnie James is an American, you know, and all the Sabbath guys are English dudes. That's a total. Just two different. worlds apart yeah absolutely i i've always i mean i've been saying shit since we were kicking on they didn't even start this show that doing something on bands that have had two different singers and been successful 
would be interesting. And I never even thought of putting uh, Sabbath on that list. I've always had a handful of other bands. It was like, shit, but you know what they did? They were successful with them. Yeah, they were torn. It's just like the test of time. Didn't he, they, they didn't like outshine all the Aussie shit. No, so it's kind of forgot. It's all forgettable to like mainstream metal. Like you never hear anything from Ronnie James Dio, Black Sabbath on uh, Philly WMMR. They just play the same Sabbath shit, but who, you know, besides the old school, you know, cult following fans who even knows that Ronnie James Dio was in was in Sabbath. I guess yeah. some of our listeners didn't know that. The Does Warden the probably Warden yeah, didn't the Warden know all know that shit. You know what song that the Warden probably does know, though, by Dio is Holy Diver. Play that. Let's do it. Yeah, I mean, he kind of just took Sabbath's formula and added to it. So, like this big intro of wind and mystique and all this. I, I just, I think Sabbath came up with that. And then so many, not Dio, but so many bands was like, oh, we're going to do the same thing. We're going to put some creepy intro. Like, you know, we didn't play it on our show, but the whole intro of Holy Divers is wind blowing and all this other shit. It's really creepy. Yeah, we played like the first 30 seconds of him singing, but I just I shut it off. It was like two minutes and 10 seconds in because we had you know, a minute and a half of all this kind of uh, atmospheric set in the stage kind of shit going on. Yeah, I mean, he had this like whole Dungeons and Dragons thing going for him, which is also a big part of heavy metal, all that wizards and shit sure. like that. It was in one. We just heard it in the rainbow song. It was like the last word before we cut it off was the word wizard. No, I, I mean, metal is is very mystique, man, along with like horror films. And yeah, I don't know what I'm fan- saying. No, I no, I get it, man. It does. It, it dips into horror films and like fantasy kind of shit. And I got a band, a couple bands on here later that I'm going to mention that are like really into all that kind of stuff, too. Yeah. Um, so I think those are kind of like the pioneers, man. And then so the late 60s, early 70s, some cool shit coming out of that. You know, and again, you just uh, you you keep in mind of what was going on in other parts of the musical world at the time. And it's really interesting. And then you start moving into the late 70s and the early 80s. And, you know, again, you think about what's going on with music. You know, disco was really big. Punk has its big explosion. You know, that shit like that almost like killed heavy metal music. Both of those things punk rock music yeah i mean here's another form of music that i don't know a big part of it was made in england a different style of punk rock was made in england but you know punk rock was made in america we all know that everybody knows that sure but um here's something that's very uh i don't know almost not identical but gives you the same feeling 
Yeah, no, dude, I get it, right? Still, you're in the punk, you're an outcast, and you're looking for people that are like you and very similar to the metalheads. Yeah, totally. You know, different styles of music, but punk had that, you know, there's a couple of years, man, where it just took over everything and it just kind of like flamed out. You know, the, like the, the metalheads were like clean cut compared to the punk rockers. The punk rockers, right. But then you had this whole uh, rise of the new wave of British heavy metal, WNWOBHM, which is the shittiest name for a music genre I've ever heard. Like they couldn't come up with anything better. Some journalist they could, came they up could with call that. it like English Blade. Right. You know, like some shit like that. Right. NWOBHM is just. I, didn't, I never even heard of that. I, I heard about it doing the research for the show a long time ago, and I've heard it a couple of times. I think when we were talking about Iron Maiden in the one of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame episodes, I saw it. And I was like, what the hell is this? And it was hey, somebody from Cream or Kerrang or one of those magazines came up with it. But huh. it's a stupid name. But anyway. Heavy metal gets big again in Britain, man. And it was, uh, I wrote it down. Motorhead, Saxon, and Iron Maiden all had top 10 albums. Like top 10 albums in wow. the UK. And this is the shit where like the jean jackets and the air guitars and all that stuff kind of come out of this. So there's a handful of British bands. And uh, one thing, I, so I watched this MTV documentary called Heavy that was, uh, and they, they said that uh, this, I love this. They said with all this stuff, like Dio gave heavy metal a greeting. Iron Maiden gave heavy metal a mascot and Judas Priest gave heavy metal a look. And I was like, it's perfect. That's fucking great. That, whoever said that should be a poet. Yeah, I, I didn't write down who said it. I should have. Um, it was a really cool documentary, man. Like Dee Snyder was on it. Tony Iommi, all kinds of other dudes. It was uh, it was on YouTube and it was all like the quality was shit, but it, it looked like it was like 20 years old. Sebastian Bach was in it a lot. Oh, um, so annoying. <laughs> he um, is. All right. So the first band that I had on here in this category was a band that I know both you and I really like and was Motorhead. Yes. Yeah. You know, I think that they, they rode that wave that punk rock started. Cause I almost feel like they always kind of straddled the line between punk and heavy metal. Like they're a little, but bit I always, I always thought they were more metal than punk. Like I never ever really considered them even punk at all because they were always on headbangers ball. Yeah. Like their identity to me was metal, you know, like, None of the kids that that I knew that listened to punk rock even knew who Motorhead was, you know. But you yeah, know, I I think that just because they were they played sl a little sloppy. You know, he's playing power chords on his bass, and they played really fast. And I mean, he had that punk rock attitude. Oh yeah, fuck you. And that's why he's dead. <laughs> that's right, why he's right, dead right. Now. Drank a bottle of Jack Daniels a day. Yeah, I said we've always and then they also started a little bit before some of these other bands we're going to talk about. So they didn't really like get to cash in as much as like Maiden and Judas Priest and all that shit. Yeah, so that's probably it for Motorhead, man. The next band I had on the list was the band Saxon. Did you, did you ever listen to them? No, they were always just a corny thing to me. Like just their name alone just turns me off. I thought so, too. Um, and then I was just reading about them a little bit to put something in my notes and said that they, they had four top 10 albums in the UK in the eighties. So they're pretty, they were pretty big over there. Dude, the UK loves their metal. Like yeah. I'll give them one thing. The UK never like sold out like America did. Like America came and went with metal, like in the mainstream, the UK still flies that flag, man. We're, we're a bunch of posers in America. Totally agree, man. Um, yeah. yeah, I'll play a little bit of crusader from Saxon. Yeah. This didn't really do anything for me. 
right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, exactly, man. And that was like a top 10 song in England. I, I think that was the number one song that they had when I went on Spotify. I think it had the most plays. It does nothing for me. Uh, unbelievable. <laughs> We're going to put them in, in our history of metal. Yeah, hey man, we played were... that song. We didn't play any Motorhead, but we I... played that song. <laughs> I, you know, I mean, well, we played Motorhead in like five other episodes. I don't um, care. We should play. I don't care. We're doing a, a episode on on fucking Sinatra. We should be playing Motorhead, but um, <laughs> yeah, I that doesn't do anything for me. And I really put them on the list because just the more as I was reading and listening to shit, the more that name just kept coming up and coming up. I'm like, all right, we got to at least include them. So, but there is a bunch of metal bands that are cheesy, man. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm not saying all of it's cool. A lot of it's yeah. really cheesy. A lot of it didn't test uh, stand the test of time. Yeah. So that's a band that didn't. And it sounds like they had pretty big commercial success in England. They probably still do festivals in England and shit. Play like Wembley or shit like that. Yeah. All right. But the next two bands we have on here are huge. And that's Jude. The first one is Judas Priest. So yes. Judas Priest, also from Birmingham, where Sabbath is from. They have more rhythm to their music than Sabbath or Deep Purple. Of they're course. a lot heavier. They're a lot they are, faster. They're, they're faster. They're way faster. Yeah, the tempo is way up faster. They don't sound melodic at all. No. They just sound fast and heavy. Yeah. Yeah, I put up my notes like uh, Priest hit the gas on heavy metal and made it really fast. Totally. Let's play something. Yeah, man. Delivering the goods. That's my favorite priest song. Is it of all time? Absolutely. Yeah, it's like it's it's the first song I believe on the first album. I always love that song. I I'd hear other bands cover it in metal, and I was like, this song is great. And I wanted to play it on our so on our show. There you go, man. I was digging it. I was never really, really into them, like Priest and Maiden. Um no. there's yeah. two bands I never just got really into, but I was never really into and really into Priest at all. If anything, I felt like they were dated by the time I start listening to music. Like by like 87, I feel like they came and went by then. Like the whole like the only time you'd ever see them on MTV was during Headbangers Ball. Yeah. Or Beavis and Butthead playing, playing breaking yeah. the law. Yeah. Um yeah. But they I, had a, a, a loyal following. Sure. So much that they were in the rock and roll theme this year. Yeah. And he really brings like he brought like the outfit, like the leather and all that shit. He brought that into heavy metal. How did anybody know that he was a gay man? Right. Right. You look at that, man. And it's like and then you watch uh, Police Academy when they go to the Blue Oyster. They're wearing the, the same shit. We're in the same outfit. Yeah, man. And I always thought that was, you know, that's pretty badass that he was he's in this scene that's full of masculinity. Yeah. And, you know, white dude. And he was you know, he came out in I think it was like the 90s, but he was still. You know, he's openly gay in yeah. this machismo kind of thing. I was like, right on, man. And yeah, then that's where 
that outfit came from was gay culture in London. Yeah, like S and M clubs and shit. Sure, but look how fast it like it became this metal look. Right, everybody was wearing leather, and it wasn't like the punk scene. It was it was a whole thing on its own. Yeah, like you would see like guys with jean jackets and leather jackets with uh, studs through it, but not like punk rock studs. You know, like metal had its own thing. Like, remember you would see like the bracelets with the studs through them and like the Billy Idol gloves with with the studs in them, like metal. Yeah, sure. Like metal had a fashion, too, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, it was a it was a fashion movement just as much as it was like you know, a culture and a hairstyle and an attitude and everything else. Definitely. Definitely. It was it's like it's like you were a uh, I don't know, you're a you're ready to fight for your cause. Sure. And hip hop is like that. And country is like that punk. You know, everybody. I don't think so. I I don't think anything is more than metal, dude. Well, I meant that that there's like fashion and culture and lingo and all like Uh, cultural movement, not not the fighting thing. I got you. But yeah, I get it. I mean, people that are into metal are very protective of their bands. You said the poser thing and everything else. Oh, my God. Like us. We're posers. Correct. Um, All right. The next band we got on the list was Iron Maiden. Love Maiden. They got the best fucking mascot ever Eddie. in anything, in anything. Best mascot in sports, best mascot in anything. Eddie. They they sold 130 million records with almost no support on radio and TV. Unbelievable. I remember some kid, man, when I was growing up in elementary school, had all this Iron Maiden shit. And I remember my parents being like, don't go near that kid. Oh, same thing. The kids in the neighborhood in South Philly, they had those metalheads and they walked down with their jean jackets on and they would have like Iron Maiden patch on it and, and have Eddie on it. it. Scared the shit out of me, man. Yeah. And my, I never I never even listened to the music. I was like I had it drilled in my head that that was really bad and I shouldn't go. <laughs> That's hysterical. And I listen to it now and I'm kind of like, it's ah, like they're talking know, about history. And right, right. I was like, it's yeah, not yeah. that it's not that bad. Yeah. And we've talked about Bruce Dickinson before. I mean, he's he's, he's an opera singer guy. leading oh, a metal yeah. band and one of the most interesting dudes in rock and roll, just all the but shit do you, he does. And do you think people know there was a singer before Bruce Dickinson? No, I don't think so. The warden probably a, doesn't. He was a kick-ass singer. I put something on there from the first album. Uh, what did you got on here? Let me look. You got run to the Hills. That's that Bruce it? Dickinson, but That's the, Bruce one Dickinson. Before, the one before that is the original dude. I think it's the only one I see. Oh, Prowler. Here you go. It's uh, Paul Diano. Yeah, he was great. I, I hate, though, when the fucking Iron Maiden fans would go, oh, the first album before Bruce Dickinson was the better album. That I, Get the fuck out of here. Nothing beats Bruce Dickinson's vocals in Iron Maiden. You could be you could be as, you know, underground as you want and you could think as you want, you know, but you're the only one thinks that, pal. 
And that's the same shit with like, I was into that band before they got big. Yeah. Know, like you're just trying to one up and get your cred. But um, yeah, but we, we got to play something by Bruce Dickinson too. So here's Run yeah, to the go Hills. For it. I think Bruce Dickinson has a big, he's such a great poet, you know, I mean, or how he, how he pronunciate things. I don't know who writes the songs, but he really puts the imagination into you when he sings these songs. Yeah. They're a band that when I listened to, I was like, oh man, I appreciate what they're doing. I just don't find myself listening to them that much, but it's not that I don't like them. It's just kind of like, ah, you know, I just, I don't know. I'm not in a situation. It's something I would listen to very much, but you know, yeah, I really just made the more I get older and you know more mature, I I uh, appreciate things more. And Iron Maiden's one of them. I appreciate them more that I'm older now than I did when I was a kid. Like I had an Iron Maiden shirt and I wore it all the time, but I wasn't necessarily. I was a poser, you know. Like, but until I got into maybe like eighth grade, I had my first Iron Maiden album. But I was like seventh grade wearing it, wearing a T-shirt, you know, because it looked cool. Yeah, I was a metalhead. I wanted to be people people know that I was a metalhead. Like the kids that wear uh like Nevermind Nirvana shirts now. They buy them at Target and they don't know who the fuck that is. Yeah. Yeah. You know, shit happens, man. But um yeah, dude, I don't I've no I don't think I've ever owned an Iron Maiden album. I don't know if I've ever listened to an album front to back. Um I find as I get older I appreciate him more. They're a I great find- live band. They they're an unbelievable live band. And that's a great point, man. I had in my notes too. Like, did they all that shit that Alice Cooper introduced and Kiss introduced? They did it too, right? They had the big oh, yeah. Eddie coming out, like whether it was a dude in a costume, very or the, theatrical, yeah, thirty foot thing coming through the stage and pyrotechnics like, and all that shit. Their last tour that they did, they had this like airplane as the set, like it was hovering over the band, and it, it was like an old World War II fighting plane. And it like went on the side of it and like actually like it was like floating through the it was pretty fucking awesome. Hmm. Right on, man. They put a lot of money into their show. But like they're a band that goes out and plays fucking countries. Yeah. They're like, huge. not like not like a club in a country. The whole fucking country. Right. Like three hundred thousand people in Brazil showed up to watch Iron Maiden play. It's like the whole goddamn country coming out and seeing you. Right. All right, cool. That's Iron Maiden. Uh, what else you got? We got two other bands on here, maybe, but three other bands on here, and we'll take a break. Um, Diamond Head. There were uh, you Diamond Head. Yeah, they're very important. I don't know anything about them. I don't listen to them. Well, the Diamond Head is responsible for the cover that Metallica covers, and it's "Am I Evil?" Okay. And Diamond Head. Um, is the original writer of the song, the original recording of the song, but Eric, but Metallica made it famous. So let's okay. play. Let's play it. All right, here you go.
like that whole first Metallica album was like all Diamond Head songs, just covers. Yeah, like their like their first like demo and shit. Hmm. But they took that song off the Metallica album because they didn't feel like playing Royalties anymore. <laughs> so if you you get like a Kill 'Em All, and it, you, you're hoping it Am I Evil is on there, it's yeah, not, early pressing it's of on, it. Yeah, I don't even think it's on Spotify. Hmm. Like the album version. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, man. One thing when we were playing this too was you you mentioned you're like, man, fucking these songs all have really long intros. All of them, dude. All all of them. Yeah. Again, this was uh you know, we only played 30 seconds, but we're that we just ended it at two and a half minutes in. And I've got the Spotify playlist in front of me, man. And so many of these songs are five minutes, six minutes. And half of its intro, like important intro. Yeah, seven and a half, eight minutes, five, six. Yeah, dude, all these are really, they're all really long songs and they have these big, slow builds. Interesting. Is the intro, I think maybe an intro is a big thing of the metal. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, like the guitar solo is a big part of it too. Yeah. Um, you know, the, where the guys just kind of take off and go after everything. Sure. All right. I got two other bands that I want to mention. One was a band called Girl School. I never heard of them. I had like a it sound like a porno. They're all um yeah, I may have seen that movie before. Um <laughs> they're all uh it's an all-girl heavy metal band that came out of England. And I was like, all right, man, right on, dude. Let's you know. So here's a song called Come On, Let's Go. different yeah you know i uh what was i thinking i was thinking maybe the runaways are better than them but they're way better than the (laughs) (laughs) go-go's it's you know and this is a very male dominated type of shit it's still a very male dominated type of music and it's kind of cool that there was an all-female band still still going at it so what um, year was that uh let me check they were in that era of the british British wave of metal. Yeah. That song came out in 81. So, all right. So it's not. Holy um, shit. Yeah. So it had a great it's, sound to it. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Just yeah. They it. were heavy. They were yeah. definitely heavy. Yeah. Somebody I'll, I'll check out some more of their stuff. So, all right. And the last band I had, they're not British, but I put them in here and that's Man of War. I've been waiting. You fucking love them. You, every chance you get, you try to bring them up. I, because they're all muscled and shit. They look like Chippendale dancers. Is that why you're into it? Absolutely. So, I dude, that was like an album that I picked up. Like, I don't know, buddy of mine had when I was in high school or something. And we're like, <laughs> dude, it was so like just over the top with the oh, um, God, you know, all the shit that they sing. And, you know, I've said a million times, I, I've, I brought it up a couple of times. I wanted to talk about them and some other, I wanted to do a whole episode on them, but um, it's just how the hell you do a whole episode on that. Uh, dude, it's because it's so, they sing about like, we're going to kick other, we're going to, uh, what, what's their, what I have their slogan written down. Their motto is death to false metal. And they have all, like, they sing about all these wizards and shit. They actually played, they had, they are in the Guinness Book of World Records. They played for over five hours one time. 
Jesus Christ. So here's a song called Kings of Metal. And this is almost like spinal tap sounding and how like, you know, they're like, we're going to kick your ass. And yeah, just listen to the lyrics. They're very, yeah, like spinal tap. That's what yeah. I see them. Like. Yeah, yeah. And I love it. It's just so over the top. Here you go. so over the top it's, so it's cheesy. awful i love it dude it's no. so it's so great god it's like i don't know where i could fit it into like a superhero movie yeah it but doesn't that, fit it doesn't fit anywhere it's just it's over the top kind of shit and it's like the uh yeah the, the album's got like some dude like holding a sword with no shirt on and he's on like a mountaintop it's just it's great it's so like conan the barbarian that's exactly what he looks like like man it's it's awesome um yeah i guess it, so yeah totally something i you know i said i just grew up with and uh, i think those guys spend more time in the gym than at the rehearsal studio oh yeah there's pictures that they're in like loincloths and all this other like Jesus. oiled up and shit like that and you know not that i had posters of them hanging all over my room as a kid or no not at all oh, no. <laughs> oh shit all right so Maybe it's a good place to take a break, man. We're going to talk about the late 80s. That's kind of when America strikes back. And then we're going to touch on like the 90s. We're not going to go all the way up to 2020 because we just we don't have the time. But um, yeah, really? Yeah. Uh, let's take a quick commercial break and we'll circle back up. We'll be back. Awesome. Stick around. All right. Prisoners of Rock and Roll is sponsored by Boldfoot Socks. And we are so proud to have them on board because they're good people making a good product who do good things. I was on boldfoot.com this morning doing some Christmas shopping and I was like, holy shit, they have so many different styles of dress socks, casual socks, athletic socks. They sell gift sets and they even have like a sock of the month subscription and every single pair they sell is made in America. And on top of that, 5% of their profits from every single pair they sell goes to help military vets. We love people who pay it forward here especially during the holidays. So as soon as you're done listening to us, go over to boldfoot.com and check them out and tell them that the Prisoners of Rock and Roll sent you. That's boldfoot.com. Prisoners of Rock and Roll is sponsored by McCusker's Tavern at 17th and Shunk Streets in Philadelphia. There's something for everyone on the beer list and the jukebox in McCusker's. It's minutes from the sports stadiums in Philly, making it a great place to stop by for a few drinks before or after a concert or a game. Come see for yourself why everyone from Philadelphia Magazine to Playboy has called it one of the best dive bars in the city. Visit them at 17th and Shunk Streets in Philadelphia or on Facebook. That's McCusker's Tavern. All right, we're back from the commercial break. Thanks so much for sticking with us. Yeah, man, dude, so we just played the McCusker's Tavern commercial and you guys got some pretty good publicity in the local Philadelphia press this week, right? Or last week? We did um in the philadelphia weekly we got voted 2002 out of 2022 2022 i'm sorry i'm in time machine here you were on this list in 2002 probably as yeah well. 2022 best bars in philadelphia we were number 31 out of 50 
Yeah, out of the yeah. zillion bars that are in Philadelphia. Yeah, I saw the write up, and you guys shared it on your social media page, and really cool. Yeah, I mean, we beat out a bunch of poser bars in our neighborhood. You know, um, they they didn't even get mentioned. Like a bunch of bars that think they're the shit and they're not. Hey, man, yeah. Philadelphia is one of the biggest cities in the country, and there's a million drinking spots. I know when I lived in this in the city shit there were like 20 places within like walking distance of my house i'm not surprised man you guys do an awesome job down thank there. you it's yeah you know, it was great always... during the world series man i'll tell you during the world series that was a dream come true it's always a good time to duck in there hear some live music or watch a sporting event and uh we, or just, we definitely just hang out we had some live music this weekend that was really good um i sat in with this band that um plays like prohibition jazz swing music if you ever watched Boardwalk Empire, yeah. the soundtrack, that's what this band played. And the bar was mobbed for this band. That's awesome. I was dude. very surprised. I'll have we to played, check it out. You do it again. We're going to play again on Mother's Day weekend. Okay. I always like that that style of music. So it's great. Um, we, we, they smoked it. They, that's awesome. Anyway. All right, man. So we're going to pick up where we left off. And now we're kind of up in the 1980s. And some of these bands, I don't, we don't need to talk about a whole we're not going to dive in and play like a whole bunch of shit but it is worth mentioning man that like the la heavy metal scene sure starts and you know this is way different than birmingham in england these bands you know particularly van halen i mean is van halen a heavy metal band i i don't think when they first came out i think they were something totally different they were more heavy metal than just regular rock and roll yeah they really help, but people threw them in that heavy metal bucket too. And so it kind of helps popularize metal. Like uh, it was in a documentary. Somebody was like the girl who says she hates heavy metal would borrow your Van Halen tape. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Van Halen did something different than any metal band ever did. And that was smile for the cameras. Yes. That's the second note I have on here that they weren't pissed off. They were having fun. No, they were having Eddie who smiled more than Eddie Van Halen on camera. Every time he was there, he had a smile, you know, and David Lee Roth jumping around like he was. I, I, I think, like, especially those first two, three albums that they're a fucking metal band, dude. They're just not. They're too good just to be a regular rock and roll band. Yeah. They have, like, too much, too much passion just to be a regular rock and roll band. They're a metal band. They come up and who else is in that? Like, you know, Motley Crue is coming up at that time guns yeah. and roses so all those kind of like la that that music scene is blowing up and these bands are you're right they're harder than rock and roll they're not real bluesy they're more yeah. metal punkish a little bit kind of shit like that and i guess you know and then at the same kind of around the same time man like the having fun stuff goes to a whole nother level because then some of the bands start making power ballads and oh you know, god, hair metal takes off, and we both love hair metal. But in yeah. the context of in the context of this conversation, this is know. this is uh, it. It was definitely a downfall downfall of metal history was during the hair band. As much as I loved it, you know, I was there. It was a great time, but it was a downfall for for metal. It made everybody look like. When when somebody said, "Oh, John Bon Jovi's a heavy heavy metal star," like the guys from Judas Priest, fucking start playing the albums backwards and try to kill themselves. Yeah, that documentary man I was talking about, like Scotty Ian was on there from Anthrax, and he's talking about how much they hated all that shit. And he's like, 
he rattles off like 20 bands. He was like, oh, fuck yeah. Mr. Big and fuck Firehouse and, and you know, Warrant just, and all yeah. these other fucking bands. Yeah. I think even D. Snyder at one point says like, uh, you know, the rise of grunge. He's like, the rise of grunge killed my career, but at least it took hair metal with it or something like that. It was yeah. something really funny. I um, love D. Snyder. I think he's a smart guy. Yeah. And they're kind of they're probably metal, too. You know, they're like, yeah, they're they're Yeah. Glam. Yeah. Glam. They're a little we we talk. We touched on them briefly in the shock rock episode. At some point, man, we'll get around and doing an episode on the PMRC and that battle and all that other shit. And the uh, job at D. Snyder. You just uh, he, crushed he didn't it. see him coming. No. He came in. He came in like Hulk Hogan with the American flag running through the fucking Congress, <laughs> and he just comes out. He just you start using these huge words that people underestimate him, you know. And he made them all look stupid. They he looked at Gore him. Look like an asshole. They looked like, at look him and how, thought he was an idiot. But that, that's how brilliant Frank Zappa was. He knew that D. Snyder was a really smart guy, and he was like, "You're the perfect dude to go to Congress and go talk." in front of all these people go speak for all of us because he's really intelligent but yeah. yet he's like this how tall is he six something tall yeah. with, if you ever see those pictures of him going to going going through congress it's really it's not it's not even hysterical it's 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 rock and roll it's metal and he he's got sell that, out he's got the he sleeveless t-shirt yeah sleeve jean jacket on like he didn't sell out to put a suit on yeah he was like fuck that he like went in like he was going in detention. Yeah, we got to we got it's been on our uh, topic list for a while, man. We got to do that at some point, like the, either the history of vulgarity in music or just the PMRC versus the other shit. And yeah, one thing that does come out of that, man, was pretty interesting is like those stupid um, parental advisory lyrics and the heavy metal bands. This shit gets slapped on all of them or a lot of them. And those guys all loved it. They were like, hell They're yeah, like, man. Yeah, put it on. Whatever right, makes it, made it, it look more dangerous. Sh- right. That's just shit that then the kids would go, oh, what is that? I, I did. Right. I did. Absolutely. I had, a, I had the T-shirt with that big that so, sticker oh, yeah. on it across the whole thing. When we worked at the record store, I stole a whole spindle of parental advisory stickers. I used to fucking put them shit up everywhere. Absolutely, man. That's still shit. I'd still do that. Um, yeah, we just do the prisoner rock and roll stickers. Right. Everywhere. Right. That's true. So that's the, you know, kind of the L.A. scene. We're not going to dive in and play a lot of those bands. And then um, the next, uh, the other really big thing that happens in the 80s, man, is I, when I think America kind of grabs heavy metal by the heavy metal horns and pulls it across the ocean is the big four. Slayer, Fuck Metallica, yeah. Anthrax, Megadeth. Um, and there's you know. so many other bands also, like Overkill. Like they were a fucking great band. Um, suicidal tendencies. Yeah, great. Yes. we haven't talked about them very much in the show no, yet. Not yet. We'll we'll get around to them too. He, they're they're interesting too. Like the, yeah. the rock rap. Kind yeah, of but stuff. you know, we we did our we did our, we did a big four episode. Yeah, uh, it was one of our first episodes, I believe we did. Yeah, um, yeah. So we said we're not gonna we weren't gonna dive in too much with each of them because we did like a two hour show on the four of them and their impact and how much we we love all that music. So. Just, you know, real fast, you know, we could just talk about Metallica real fast. Um, They're the biggest band in the fucking world, man. Who's bigger than Metallica? They're doing their new tour is coming to East Rutherford in August, bro. Yeah, they're selling tickets like that far out. Yeah, I can't fucking wait. I'm going. Are you? Yeah, you're going with me. Yeah, I might need to. I've never seen them live. So I might might need to go because they're getting older and. 
I, dude, everybody's already bullshitting on them on their new song. I, I find it fucking very energetic. I don't know. Can we find it on YouTube real fast? Yeah, dude. Uh, yeah, let's see. Hang on. It might be on Spotify yet so far. I don't think it's on Spotify. No. Uh, Lux Eterna. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, it's on here. Okay. Here you go. I haven't heard it yet. I fucking so, love it. Yeah, I liked it. I was digging. I Lars fucking is, love it. I'm so excited. Up there. He's bringing the double bass puddle hardcore in that fucking yeah. song. I just heard the James Hetfield at the end. Yeah, I, I, it, I love it. I love it. I'm excited for this it, new album coming out. You know, man, it became such like a, a hip thing to shit on them when they cut their hair and those other those albums. Somebody had out. to do it. Somebody had to do it. They're you getting know? older, man. And I mean, that's once in a while, some picture of him sh- shows up on a. Uh, Facebook, you know, he's walking out of a Starbucks or something, or With, like sandals on and shit. Yeah, yeah, he's carrying like a shopping bag, and it's like you can't do metal all the time, man. You can't be metal right. all the time, right? He's almost sixty, dude. Right? You can't be that way all the time. You're exactly right. But Metallica, Megadeth, Slayer, and Anthrax had a huge part of metal. And for you to hear hear more of us talk about it, you got to listen to our episode. Kerry King's probably metal all the time. He ain't walking out. He ain't walking out of a Starbucks. But if you want to hear my story about meeting Kerry King, you got to listen to our episode about the Big Four. Yes, doing the shot of Jägermeister with Kerry King. Yes, Mr. King, I'll do that immediately. (laughs) Basically, basically talking about the the uh, the impact that they had on music, and you know. all four of those bands are still relevant now and sure. You know, all, all good stuff. So, all right. And then we get up to like the nineties onward and really the only band that I had on here. And then I just kind of had just like a list of other shit that we didn't get to was uh Pantera because Great I, band. you know, I, they're just a band that, excuse me. They're just a band that, you know, just picked it up and carried, carried the flag man right the, the story For, was that they yeah. thought the metallica got soft and then they came out with an album and uh you know just vulgar Over. display of power is yeah. just you know it's a great album i i like cowboys from hell a lot but vulgar is definitely like them coming and say we are the new metal of that time yeah yeah i remember seeing them. i was like this is the biggest this is the heaviest fucking thing i've seen to that time as a kid, you know, I guess I was about 13 years old when I saw Pantera for the first time. And it was so chaotic, so different than any metal that was going on at that time. Metal was getting so soft and like repetitious and same fucking thing over and over again. And they came out and with their fucking street clothes on and everything. Why? Like, just like how the grunge guys came out, they came out the same way and they just fucking kick the fucking shit out of it and didn't care about like stage shows or uh leather pants or any of that fucking bullshit 
it's like um like maiden has like a like everything is uh it's like shiny like the sound to it it's like it's yeah it's fast but it's also got some some clean sound to it and this is just uh it's some of it is fast but it's like detuned as shit right it's like it's like here here's what i'll just play what i'm what's running through my head as i'm thinking about it Man, I remember I, the first time I heard that, man. I did too, and I was like, I shouldn't be listening to this. But I was oh, in my yeah. I was in my room with the door shut playing that so fucking loud. My parents yelling at me to turn it down. <laughs> it was probably so distorted they couldn't even understand what the hell. Didn't he was even saying. understand what he was playing, what he was screaming. It's like hearing that extortion of Phil's voice saying fucking hostile. Yeah. There's nothing more metal than that. Yeah. They just they sounded like nothing else at the time when that came out. Poor Diamond, poor uh, Vinnie Paul. Man. Vinnie they're Paul. both they're both gone. And now how about them doing the Pantera reunion? Have you read about that? Yeah, we talked about that when I think when they announced it, right? Like Zach Wilde's playing with them. And, I'm a, uh, I could care less about that, but Charlie but Charlie Belladonna's playing drums yeah. for from Anthrax. Yeah. Dude, I'd go just to see him play the Pantera songs. I think we talked about it too. Like, do you want to like Phil's an asshole? Right? He's yeah, Phil's he's a not fucking an, idiot. He's, he's like not Sebastian a nice, Bach. Right. <laughs> it's like, do you want to support him or do you just want to hear the music? I don't know, man. Like but I think people deserve to celebrate the music. Whatever well, they have to do. And you know what, dude? They're opening for Metallica. I know I saw those, that. A handful of those dates. So it's not yeah, like you're I saw uh, that. If you want to, you want to go see them, and you'd be like, uh, "Well, you know, I went to go see Metallica, and they just they're opening for them. Oh, fuck it, what am I going to do?" Yeah, no. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I I don't care that they're they're trying. I don't. I, I'm not insulted by it, but like they're keeping the songs alive, and that's what I see it as as you keeping know, the music alive. I thought about this this weekend. Like I was driving home uh, from Hershey, and I saw a billboard for one of the casinos near us in Philadelphia. And it was the tops and the temptations were both playing. They're playing a joint bill and it said sold out on it. And I'm thinking out of both of those bands, there's probably one dude alive between both of them. Who's still an original member. Oh, sure. You know, and they're, they're still doing it. They're doing their thing. I was like, whatever, man, go, go do your reunion tour and your shit and right on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, let it die out. You know, like, but like now there's, you know, um, Quiet Riot, you know, did you ever see that movie they made that documentary about Quiet Riot? It was I on like Showtime. I saw like a behind the music with them. I know I never saw that documentary. Yeah. Well, it was about their drummer trying to put the band back together after Kevin, Kevin LeBrow died. I think that was his name, the lead singer when he died. So he tried to put the band back together. And have another singer come in and like he it wouldn't work. You know, like he couldn't like let it go. And then instead of like, you know, letting the band die out, he like goes out there and puts like a fucking watered down version out of of Quiet Riot. And it's like cheating the fucking fans. 
but now it's like now choir right the drummer died uh or all the original members are gone now there's their bass player rudy cesaro or he's a real famous he played for white snake he played for steve i he's a very well-known bass player but he was in quiet riot but now he has a version of quiet riot out which doesn't make any fucking sense whatsoever yeah at some point it gets so removed like i don't know there's like like no original members in this version of quiet riot yeah when you get to that point it's time to it's time to shut it down i mean like you get um like when Queen was torn with Adam Lambert, they always called it Queen and Adam Lambert. They never said, yeah, you're going to see Queen. Right. They at least yeah. like they acknowledged it. And I think even in that show, like they were just kind of like, look, like Adam Lambert would even say, like, I ain't fucking Freddie Mercury, dude. Like, I'm just I'm filling in here. I'm here to here. celebrate. He's here to celebrate the music of Queen. Right. And, and I'm not trying and to replace Nobody's going to be Freddie. Nobody's right. going to be fucking Freddie. Right. So there's like a, you know, I guess there's a there's a point, man. Like Journey's been torn with that dude. And he's and, great too. Right. And he's good. And it's like, okay, dude, I get it. But, but people yeah, just want to hear the songs. That's the thing. Right. Who, right. Who gives a fuck who's singing it nowadays? We just want to hear the fucking song. Right. Like, That's what we want to go. go see, people want to go see Journey. If Steve Perry doesn't want to fucking play, then fuck him. Right. I say the same thing about Zeppelin. Robert Plant don't want to go out there. Fuck him. Get Kyle. Uh, Miles Kennedy. Out Miles there. Kennedy or Chris Robinson or one of those guys. Yeah, like yeah. fuck, like these. I'm so tired of these fucking bands fucking the fans over. You know, like go out there, oh poor millionaire, go out there and make a billion trillion zillion dollars so you can make your fans happy. It's bullshit. And you never know. Like we say this all the time, right? Like you never know when you're like, oh, I'll catch them next time. And then there isn't a next time. Like, yeah, there isn't an exit. So many times that's happened to me. Right. Like Chrissy McVeigh from Fleetwood Mac died today. Yes. And yes, I was God like, man, her. I was like, man, I, I had tickets for them one time. I was I was in Texas for work. I was supposed to fly home and go right to the show. And I had gotten like no sleep the night before. And I sold my tickets. And I was like, oh, oh we'll wow. catch we'll catch them next time, man. I didn't feel like doing all that bullshit. I'm like, if my flight gets delayed, I'm going to miss it. And I was like, yeah, and I never got another chance to see him. And I was like, and I, you know, I'm not the biggest Fleetwood Mac fan in the world. I was like, but they would have been cool to see. Yeah, like I like them. I, I have respect for Lindsey Buckingham. In our, we talked about Mick Fleetwood in our drum, yeah, episode. I had no respect for that dude whatsoever as a musician. Yeah, you said in, that. in my in my eyes, he's the luckiest motherfucker to ever play the drums because he sucks. All it's right. like you know, yeah, he plays. He, no shit, you could play fucking background drums to Lindsay Buckingham's songs. They're brilliant. Or yeah. Stevie Nicks songs. Like The drums are simple as shit. How the hell do they fucking name the band after him? Uh, one day, man, we're going to do the show on who's more dysfunctional, them or the mamas and the papas. I'll convince you to do that. <laughs> I don't know. I think the mamas and the papas is... Uh, yeah. I, I think, I th- I think Fleetwood Mac was a better looking band than Mamas and the Papas. Yeah, oh, dude, Michelle Phillips was so hot, though. Um, all right. So and I just got some other odds and ends, some stuff. I just I just made like a couple lists of like, yeah, there's there's so many other different types of metal. You know, we I brought thrash metal, death metal, black metal, doom metal, goth metal, grindcore. You know, there's bands like Slipknot and Cannibal Corpse and Celtic Frost, Ice Earth, Sepultura, all kinds of other shit. A lot of those bands I just mentioned, too, they all sound really different from each other. All those genres sound really different from each other. 
you know, just kind of driving it home again that two guys could be sitting at a bar that go like, oh, I'm really into metal. Oh, I am, too. And then they list all the shit that they like. And it's not the same bands. No, there's a guy that comes down the, to the bar and he loves metal. And I hate the version of metal that he plays. Like, it sucks. It's like the cookie monster shit. Oh, yeah, dude. I've never, yeah. <laughs> Anal cunt. We played them in the yeah. shock rock episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All that stuff, dude. Napalm death and all that shit. I never got into any of that kind of stuff. Yeah, that shit's garbage. There's a. Uh, Do you ever hear the band Can- <clears throat> Caninus? No. Hang on. It's. um, Yeah, it's a grindcore, but the singer is a dog barking check it away oh, here check this out god <laughs> anyway that's um, yeah. hysterical yeah that's, that's better than the jingle bells the dog <laughs> the dog jingle bell bark oh uh, shit man yeah dude that's and it dude it's that's the whole band and they've got uh, maybe just one album but and yeah, I, and I can't get a record at <laughs> the fuck. Ah, oh, shit. All right. Uh, I think that's it, dude. Yeah. Heavy metal rules, brother. I think we gave a whole little uh, history, man, of, of heavy metal music. Hopefully the warden learned something. Yeah, I hope we did some. We could have did the regular metal show about like, you know, this metal band's better than this metal band and this like all the bands you just listed. We could have did a show about all those fucking metal bands. But I think we did a pretty good job of like discussing what metal started from. Yeah. Maybe there's yeah. a few things we missed, but it's all right. We hey, talk man. about a lot of different music on a lot of different episodes. Yeah, dude. We've been covering a lot of ground. Yeah, speaking of that, man, I um I just got that uh today's like the day that that Spotify, like when you go on, it gives you that recap of like I saw what- that all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would you listen to and everything? And uh, it said I listened to uh, 68,152 minutes of music on Spotify. That's like it was like a thousand hours or something ridiculous. The same as like number one play is actually my number one artist was David Bowie said. I I thought it'd be something more like uh, like a guilty pleasure. No, it was a lot of it, man. Like it gives you, you know, there's little reports on like uh you know, shit you listen like top artists you listen to and stuff. Yeah, and it was a lot of it was like a lot of Elvis. It was a lot of Bowie. It was a lot of Rush. It was all sh- it was all shit from the show, like doing all the research. So, dude, if um, you listen, if you go to mind, it's like the Dirty Dancing soundtrack, <laughs> you know, like Guilty Pleasures, like yeah. the first Bon Jovi album. That's like the best plays of my I have Trickster on there. They're the big plays of 2022 okay. from you Ryan. Said I listened to four hours of David Bowie and uh, Black Star was one of the songs I listened to the most because I Jesus Christ, I was really breaking that down. Like uh, when we were that was a great episode. Yeah, we did the whole episode on the characters of Bowie. So I just thought it was interesting that all that shit came out. And I said, I've listened to more music this year than 96 percent of Spotify users. Um, And it's all like listening to shit for the show. You should get a plaque for that. Right. I seriously, man. I said it's like I did the math. It's like I averaged like three and a half hours a day. For the, for I'll, the I'll have so. to. What is it? Just something on your Spotify account? When, that yeah, shows? when you when you open it on your phone, it'll just say, "Hey, your recap is available," and it gives you like a bunch of little stats and shit. So, oh, I'll have to check my shit. Yeah, out. it's cool. It's cool. It gives you a li- like. Here's a playlist we generated of the hundred songs you listen the most. You want to, you know, add it to your library and shit like that. So, God, 
Mine's is probably so r- ridiculous. No, and you got you're probably playing all the shit in the bar. Oh. Your, you know, so your account's probably all crazy. Mine, mine was all weird too, with you know shit from the show. All right, second thoughts. We got a couple second thoughts. First one, uh, the warden commented on, gave us some feedback on the Rock Is Dead episode. He said, "Hey guys, I've been listening to Ghost recently, and I found the song on their YouTube channel. It's one of their hits, but it's slow and reverbed." Is way better than the original. You might dig it. And I meant to put the link to it, and I didn't. Let me grab it real quick. I think my my response was to his thing was like, I doubt it. Yeah. Yeah, so he had a song called uh, Mary on a Cross, slowed and reverb version on YouTube by Ghost. Let's check it out. Let's see what let's see what the warden was uh was on to something or not. Rob, uh, what the fuck? That song is awful. The only thing that Ghost got going for him is he's got a cool logo. That's so you, it. He's you a comment, t-shirt. That's all com- he is is a fucking t-shirt. You commented Ghost sucks. I don't think I'll like it, Warden. Um, I like them. I like them a lot more than you do. Uh, that song wasn't my favorite, but... You know. God, what the fuck is Rob doing to us with this uh, shit? I thought we tried to teach him something, a thing or two about rock and roll. He's sending us crap like that. He also commented and said, have you ever heard the song Stuck Between Stations by The Hold Steady? Um, I'll play a little bit of that, too. Giving the warden some love today. Yeah, I, I like Coldplay, the whole that Coldplay motherfucker should stop sending songs to us, man. Ah, uh, man. I, I, like I love you, Rob. Thing. I love you, but your taste in music fucking sucks, dude. We'll have to have him on again sometime soon. No, we had him on uh, one of our earlier episodes. I believe it was our MTV Unplugged. So we got to have him on. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Maybe we could do it. His uh, like a Coldplay show. Or something like the, the most pussy songs that we could find. Uh, we'll we'll do that episode. Uh, shit. I thought if we ever do that show of um the concert memories, right? Like that we should uh I sh- we should circle back and ask Lance from uh yesterday's concert to sit with like sit with it for the whole show because that dude's got like eight thousand stories. But do you think he went and saw Taylor Swift? He I think he has. I think he's wow. seen him in the past. So his uh his oh. wife's pre- he just put on Facebook his uh he's having a baby. Oh, congratulations, brother. Yeah, so he's he's a good dude, man. I, I like him, Lance, from over at uh, yesterday's concert. Also a fellow Pantheon podcast. So I, I just can't get over all that Taylor Swift concert sh- 
ticket shit, man. Yeah, I got that in the music news. Before that, let me finish the second thoughts because you had a really cool story of the bar. I did, man. Um, these two guys came into the bar. Uh, they came in very quietly. They sat there for a while. And the one guy introduced himself to me and said he grew up with me. And he goes in this whole story about how we were two different kind of kids. And he was like, uh, I used to make fun of you, Ryan, because you, you're like this metalhead. And he was like, I was this freestyle loving, um, Cabaricci, South Philly, kind of like dancing on air, kind of, you know, just different than I was. And uh, he said he used to really give me a hard time about it. Um, but then, you know, he he slowly became this rocker. And I don't know how of it, but he be- came across our show. And he started listening to our show. And the only reason he came down to the bar that night was to talk rock and roll with me. I thought that was amazing. I, I, I'm sorry, guys. I can't remember your name, but that was a great moment. I, dude, I love that. When you sent me that last week, I was rather in a, I was in a real shitty mood about some shit with the show, because uh, if you listen last week, there's a little bit of echo on my voice. We had some technical problems. And for the life of me, I couldn't figure out what happened or how to fix it. And I was just really pissed off because we put a lot of work into this and I try to make it sound professional. And I was like, God damn it. You know, the fucking just didn't go my way. And then you sent that note. And I was like, dude, that just makes it all worth it. Like those guys, they, they like the bars in South Philly. And these guys came from South Jersey just to come to a cool bar like mine. And they just wanted to talk rock and roll. Love it. You, you know, and, and they really dig the way that we we have our personalities on the show. We don't act like we know anything more than anybody else. They like the fact that when we were talking about the American Pie episode, I wasn't really sure what you said, but I was like, oh, my God, dude, I can't even I never even thought about that. Holy right. shit. They thought that was cool. Like, I'm trying to learn something. Sure. Like, I don't, I'm not I'm not on this microphone thinking I know everything there is about music. I don't. I, I just have balls enough to have a podcast, you know? Right. Yeah. yeah, it was really cool, dude. I was really glad that you had that moment and you shared that. And uh, it made my day. And you know, thanks to those guys for stopping in, man. It was oh, really dude, cool. I gave them stickers. I, you know, I said, keep on rocking to them in, in person. Yeah. Music news. So I got some more fallout from the Taylor Swift tire fire. And in the last episode, we talked about what a mess the pre-sale was, where the tickets started getting listed for thousands and even tens of thousands of dollars on third party sites. They're saying like some fans waited for hours in the queue and then the site just gave them the big middle finger and crashed. Ticketmaster said they had four times as much traffic to the site then than any other time in their history. And so they said that it was like bots and people who didn't even have a pre-sale code. They were trying to get in and it basically just shit the whole system. And it was so bad that Ticketmaster then canceled the general sale of the tickets because they were like, there's not enough tickets and there's too many people to want them. We can't do it, which is just nuts. Um, and then it pissed off everybody. So Taylor Swift went on Instagram and was ripping Ticketmaster. Uh, Congress, the Federal Trade Commission, and the Department of Justice are all taking a look at Ticketmaster now for their business practices. And Good. the millions of us who regularly go to concerts all collectively gave everybody an I told you so. Yep. So I don't know if anything's going to change, but they're certainly, uh, they've got it. The Ticketmaster and Live Nation have the attention to people they probably don't want the attention of. 
they need another ticket. They, they, dude, uh, Ticketmaster has the corner, the product cornered. What do they say? Like, yeah, the monopoly. They have, right. They, they, I mean, they, they own Live Nation. Live Nation owns those venues, too. It's like they make their own rules, man. It fucking sucks for real music fans like us. You know, what's interesting, too. And I was reading about that. Like Taylor Swift said, like a lot of shit. She like brings in house and does herself because then she's like, I control it. So if it sucks, it's on me. Yeah. Like merchandising. And she's like, you know, I don't like I'll hire a designer to make my merch instead of like outsourcing it to a company because then she's like, then I I can control what my fans experience. She's like, but I can't. I can't buy Ticketmaster. It was just, yeah. I thought that was pretty cool that she was like, yo, I'm so concerned about my image and how my fans see me and I want them to enjoy themselves that I'm real controlling of all this shit around. Like, it wasn't like in a diva kind of way. You know what I mean? Well, I have a, I have a thing for her. Why don't she just do a free pay-per-view and give everybody a chance? Sure. Do a free pay-per-view if you feel that bad. Like a con. Yeah, sure. Maybe she will. I, yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I, we said before, man, I don't I'm not a fan of her music. I don't hate on her. I don't I don't hate anybody who likes. Pop yeah, music. I, don't, you know, I just, care less about her. Yeah, right. I'm she just annoyed. Like, I'm just annoyed that Ticketmaster is doing all this shit. Yeah. What's going to happen when Metallica tickets go on sale in, right. in a week? It'll be a fucking mess. So, yeah. All right. So now we're going to move on to the electric chair where we kill a song because it sucks. And you had a good one today. You came up with after talking to my guys at the bar talking about um, before the guy liked rock and roll, he liked this style of music called freestyle. Now, if you grew up in the 80s and the 90s, this was the dance club music of the day. And it was really popular in South Philadelphia. And like all the kids were way into it. Um, I got made fun of because I liked Motley Crue and Guns N' Roses and why these clowns were dancing around to this song. Why don't you play it, Bruce? It's called Take Me In Your Arms by Lil Susie. Yes. We're not going to get very far through this. Is uh, Yeah, but you sent me this today. Like, this is what we're going to send the electric chair. And I was listening to it. And I'm like, oof. This is, dude. I, I, I know this I, song I, is terrible. I just remember being at the CYO dances in Catholic school. And this was like on like three times a night on the DJ booth. All this shit, man. When I when I do my Spotify recap next year, this is the kind of crap that'll be like factored into all that you know, the stuff I'm listening to. See how we're listening to this now? Listen to all the echo on it. It's like the version of Auto Tune. It's like when you buy the um, the synthesizer and it's got all the shit programmed in it already. Like you're playing all of them at the same time. Let's hear it for a second. Nope. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's no good. <laughs> All, right. All right, let's get the fuck out of here with that. We sentence you to death. Oof. I think yes. that's all I wrote back to you when you sent me that. Is oof. Do you bad. remember that song? I do remember that song. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like we some style. of that. Yeah, some of that. Yeah. Well, that no, I don't like any of that. Yes, you do. Don't. No, lie. I was thinking like, uh, like it takes two, like Rob Bass and shit like that's, that. But that doesn't no, belong. Yeah, that's that a whole other same category. Yeah. No. freestyle yeah. music is like everything that sounds like those fake drums, those fake hops. Like, yeah. Uh, 
Yeah. And it with all that echo on their voices. And uh, all right. So that's a wrap on episode 53. Thanks so much for spending the last two hours or so with us talking about heavy metal. And if you want to hear more of the music we talked about, go into the show notes, check out a link to the episode playlist. You can also go there to connect with us on Facebook or Twitter or at prisoners of rock and roll.com, or you can always shoot us an email at show at prisoners of rock and roll.com. And uh, I believe we'll be back in two weeks with our third annual Christmas special and our season finale for season two. So I don't believe we're doing anything that's a third annual something, but uh, which is looking, crazy. Which I'm, I'm, looking, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, we got yeah, a good we, angle this year. Yeah, we got a good angle. We're gonna have a good time, and uh, you know, you can go check out the uh, songfacts.com podcast. Uh, they have a Christmas special coming out soon. We're going to be in that as well. So uh, we'll share that when on social media when it comes out. So thanks again, and we'll talk to you in two weeks. Keep on rocking. Peace out. I'm just a prisoner. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.